Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Allie, and I'm the project manager of Strive, and I'll be your host on today's very special episode. On these special episodes, we are amplifying 2SLGBTQQIA voices within our community, and I am particularly honored to host this episode because it's with my team. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so with me, I have Bree, Strive's Project Associate. Hi. I have Jen, Strive's Project Intern. Hi. And I have Liz, ECE Resource Center intern for the summer. Hello. So thank you, all three of you, for joining this conversation today for this special episode. Um, let's start with just telling us a bit about yourself. So Brie, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, I'm definitely not new on this podcast, no. <laughs> so I'll try to not repeat things I've already said about myself. But I'm Brie. I'm the project associate at Strive. I'm the fun tech person behind the scenes, but I also am very customer service facing as well. I've been on the Strive team now. It'll be three years wow. in August, wow. which is wild to time think flies. about. I know, time flies. And I love this team. I love the work that we do outside of work. I love video gaming. I am really into activism in all capacities so if you follow me on social media you'll likely see I'm very into sharing information and and encouraging people to do their own learning and unlearning and yeah I think that's kind of awesome and will you please share the pronouns you use yeah so my pronouns are actually she they thank you for sharing Jen Okay, so <laughs> um, this will be my first time on the podcast, Yay. and way to start off with a bang than to be on the on these special, these special episodes. episodes. Yeah. 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 So well, as I said, as I said, I'm I'm Jen, and I am Strive's uh, summer intern, and I just finished my third year in the early childhood leadership program. And we've only been here, Liz and I have only been here, uh, been at Strive for about like a month now, but it feels like we've been forever. here for forever. <laughs> it's, it's been forever. And in the best way possible. In the best yeah, way like, possible. Exactly. Yeah. Like we really hit the ground running and Strive has been nothing but amazing to us and very welcoming, open arms. And honestly, well, okay, we'll get into it after the whole, <laughs> the whole little bit more background as to why I'm here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. On this episode today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, as you can tell, I'm a little nervous, but no, we'll, we'll get into okay. it. Yeah. And then so outside of work, one of my main hobbies is I really love dance and I've really, mm. and I've like rediscovered my love for dance within these last like four months. So that's a big part of my life and I'm just enjoying spending t- a lot of time with my friends and family and yeah. Awesome. And what are your pronouns? Oh, my pronouns. I, I go by she, her. Thank you, Jen. Okay. Liz. So I'm Liz. I'm the ECE Resource Center intern for the summer. I'm also just finished my third year at the UCL program. Outside of work, I really like to read and hike, and the beach is my favorite place. My pronouns are she, they. Thank you. Amazing. So we've already talked a little bit about your positions, um, your current positions, and your programs that you're in, Um, but why do you love doing what you're doing? 
recently in this past year, I think Jen and I can both agree that this program's allowed us to really explore our own interests and like what we really want to focus on. And something that I really focused on this past year was uh, 2S LGBTQIA plus curriculum and the lack thereof within mm-hmm. Ontario specifically. And I'm learning a lot of things about the preparedness of my fellow students and other educators about this subject and how afraid they are to approach it because they don't know anything. Mm. So that's really kind of been my passion and my drive for the past year and kind of what I've been bringing into the resource center and with what I'm doing. So that is currently what I'm like really loving about this right now. Amazing. I think that's well said that there is a bit of a fear of the unknown and for folks who aren't part of the community, don't have friends or family who are part of the community, it feels could feel potentially daunting. Mm-hmm. And so for educators to introduce resources or curriculum when they aren't feeling okay about it is, is, is intimidating. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with that fear of like tokenizing it because they're all very mm-hmm. self-aware and they don't want to have that, like they don't want to be putting these people on this pedestal and like only using yeah. them for their pride or their identity. So like right. they're so fearful of doing that that not approaching it at all seems like a better option, which feels safer. But exactly. Yeah. So I think even talking with a lot of colleagues and like a lot of the projects that I focused on, like they didn't know a lot of the things that I was bringing forward. So they were very happy to hear these things. And a lot of my profs I talked to like about looking at new course ideas and stuff like that and like how it could be integrated into current courses and stuff and a lot of the profs that I've had have tried to do that with their research and with their questions and with what they're doing so I found that really inspiring because I've Mm -hmm. never had that before like even when I was in ECE like that wasn't an option it was kind of just like here's your curriculum and but with this program it's my profs are trying very hard to be inclusive Mm -hmm. and like equitably inclusive at that yeah also don't want to be exploitive yeah we don't want to be like hey a queer person (laughs) come share your knowledge and resources Mm -hmm. and and values and bestow your wisdom upon us and then also thanks so much we'll talk to you never it's about building those relationships and reciprocal relationships like there should be some give back yeah well put um jen why do you love doing what you're doing So I'll take it back just a little bit um, and explain that I'm actually a bridge student into the uh, Early Childhood Leadership Program, so meaning I did my Early Childhood Education ECE diploma first, and then, so during that time, like, I just discovered my love for working within the early years, and then um, after I graduated, I felt like there was more I wanted to learn or more doors I wanted to open. And so I found the bridge program. And then before starting this past semester, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it would maybe be a means to an end to like get a bachelor. But then where I am now, like I'm so thankful. Like thank you to my past self for <laughs> um, choosing this. Cause yeah. as, as Liz was saying, like I was, I were able to explore our passions like really deeply up until recently like my or always my my focus always is equity diversity inclusion Mm -hmm. but I kind of had a more narrow not narrow but a more focused lens on Mm anti-racism and Mm anti-Asian racism as I am um, first generation Canadian Vietnamese and um, so I'm sitting here at this table today because just within the this last month, I'd say, uh, I've just been redefining my identity a little bit more, and I've just come to the conclusion and realization that I am pansexual. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> it started out as like maybe, yeah, 
I think yeah. <laughs> and then like, okay, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity to explore, like, have conversations, a mm, lot of conversations yeah. about it. And so I think this would obviously be the perfect table to sit at mm-hmm. with my with my lovely my lovely coworkers. Well, we're well so more than coworkers, we're friends now. <laughs> so, yeah. well, and we're so happy you're here and that you feel comfortable um, sharing your journey because mm-hmm. it is recent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, and it's really important for joining this conversation. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. important to hear from folks who are at the beginning of their journey mm-hmm. who may still be questioning. Yeah, because that can be a really, really scary process. Yeah, for sure. And. I'm so grateful that you're embedding yourself in community because I think that makes it a little bit less daunting. Mm -hmm. Like Ali said, your experience is really important. Yeah. Thanks. Brie, why do you love doing what you're doing? You have to answer positively because I'm your boss. (laughs) I actually hate (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not true at all. I love learning and I think we are in such a privileged position to be able to be surrounded by learning Mm -hmm. always so beyond my individual role capacities and tasks uh, I just I love the opportunity to engage with really thoughtful and caring professionals who are dedicated to the same kind of work that I am dedicated to I love learning in community that's Something that's newer for me, I used to find it very scary, but gaining knowledge from other people is so important and sharing experiences and developing those reciprocal relationships Mm -hmm. leads to a much richer learning than can ever be done alone, personally, I think. And really that's the bread and butter of what we do here Mm -hmm. is that community-focused learning. So, yeah, that's kind of, I've already been on here, so I won't go too in-depth, but that's yeah. that's the big why yeah, for me. I love it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. You get a raise. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for a lot of people, like the embedding in community part, like I feel like if I had that a lot sooner, I would have been able to question more and understand myself better. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like you get to have this community, like I feel like lucky to be here, part of your community because mm-hmm. I yeah. know how important it was. Because if I didn't have my family, but even with my family, I was still terrified. I still didn't know what was going on, yeah. and so it was different having friends and people around me that now that I do that I can talk to about certain things and ask these questions because we've had lots of conversations about it like first time in the car it was like I have questions but I don't know if they're going to be mean I'm like no I'm so open with questions and I feel like that's so important is to have those people that are not going to take your questions and be like why are you asking me that like Ali has asked me a lot like sometimes like what does that mean to you what does queer mean to you and I'm like no that's a great question because it it does mean something different to everybody right so Mm -hmm. I feel like that ideology of questioning and learning is so important and like Mm -hmm. we have that team here that we can do that with and it's so it's really amazing because even there's still parts of me that I'm still questioning still trying to figure out yeah and I think it's a an always process like I learn new parts about my identity and and who I am every single day and I don't think that will ever stop so having that community where you have that opportunity to reflect and ask questions and and share experiences and ideas is so essential to that because yeah there's only so far that you can get on your own Mm -hmm. and sometimes you need that that richness of shared experiences to really figure out what it means to you Mm -hmm. yeah I think community has been a major threat 
so far that's mm-hmm. weaving between these. So what are your connections to the two SLGBTQQIA communities? We had talked a lot about like the mentorship, mentee aspect, the learning, the questioning, the unlearning, um, having this community to rely on. So what does this community mean to you? Where do you see yourself in the community? I want to share a little bit about that. Uh, so I identify as queer, and for me, that means um, I'm more attracted to what goes on in your head than I am anything else. Looks don't matter to me. Gender, none of that matters to me. If you are a good person and you make me laugh, those are like my biggest things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am currently in a lesbian relationship with my partner or my fiance now, yes. <laughs> which is Yay. new. Yeah, so most of my life I dated men, boys, because that's what I thought was the right thing to do. Right. And mm-hmm. during the pandemic, I downloaded TikTok, which was the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually was the funniest thing because all of a sudden all these lesbians and non-binary people and transgender people were popping up on my timeline. And I was like, why? And then I was like, oh my gosh, am I bisexual? <laughs> and that led to a whole journey during the pandemic. And then I met my partner that August. And so... Wow. We've been together ever since, so it's just been, that was that, and then the that same year I started questioning my gender mm-hmm. and where I fall, and the reason I go by she, they, is because I'll wake up some mornings and, like, I just don't feel womanly or, like, how that stereotype plays out. Mm-hmm. I just feel more, like, me. I don't really know how else to describe it, and then, like, but there are days where I'm, like, I want to be more feminine. I want to display those features, mm-hmm. and then other days I'm, like, no, it's okay. Like, I don't feel like that, so yeah. that's why she and they both play into my identity, because there are days where I, I do feel she, but the other days I feel they. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we're pretty similar, yeah. Liz and I, in terms of our identity and expression, so I also typically identify as queer Mm -hmm. but I will use the terms pansexual and bisexual as well and do you want to elaborate on like what's the difference what yeah yeah. so it's a very nuanced debate okay but Mm -hmm. the general difference is that bisexual is attraction to more than one gender pansexual is attraction regardless of gender okay that's kind of the general distinction with that being said as I said, it is a very nuanced discussion. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very individual. Too. It is mm-hmm. very individual. So part of the reason why I use bisexual as an identifier in some instances mm-hmm. is because there's a lot of hatred within the queer community towards bisexuals. A lot of dialogue around, well, I think you're probably just straight or I think you're probably just gay. Like you can't be both. Whereas that does happen um, with pansexual identities as well. But because pansexual tends to be a little bit more nuanced and tries to divorce itself from the concept of gender, it's generally not it doesn't appear the same way as okay. it happens in, in bisexual And then what would the difference between pansexual and queer be? Queer, I think, is more of a blanket term okay. that a lot of people within the community use to describe the very nuanced and individualized parts of their identity. So the reason that I typically use queer, again, is because... Some days I don't really feel like I fit into the box of pansexual. Some right. days I don't really feel like I fit into the box of bisexual. Yep. So queer is a way of encapsulating all of that without having to put specific labels on myself. For an activism point of view, I will occasionally use bisexual or pansexual because I don't have to explain all the nuance that goes behind 
queer, mm-hmm. but those terms are easily identifiable with to people within the community and outside of it. And yeah, like I said, prevents me from having to go into a more nuanced explanation as to what queer is. Yeah. So, but similar to Liz, I was also, I think I'd known I was likely queer for quite some time. My best friend, who I've been best friends with for, it'll be 22 years (laughs) in September, is a lesbian. I've always had queer friends. I've always been integrated in the queer community, but I was very terrified Mm -hmm. of exploring that identity. I was, I don't want to say pedestaled as a child, but it did happen where like I was seen as being this perfect can do no wrong. And I had always been taught that being queer was not okay. Mm. So I avoided it for a very, very long time. It wasn't until I got into university where I started to dissect that a little bit further for myself. But even then, I still presented as straight most of the time because that's what felt safe for me. It wasn't until I met my fiancé, who was on a mini episode, (laughs) that I really started to dig a little bit deeper into that and being like, why am I using all of this internalized homophobia and queerphobia to prevent myself from living authentically Mm. as me? And so huge credit to Mackenzie for helping me get there and to my friends as well. They, They were a part of that journey. Community. 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 And like realistically, that's why I say community is so, so important because I would not have got there without them. Yeah. And then similar to Liz, during the pandemic, I downloaded TikTok. (laughs) Um, Who didn't? Who didn't, honestly? So much to do. But there's a whole community that exists on that platform as well. And that's where my grappling with my gender identity started to happen as well. Similarly, there are days where I I don't feel very feminine. I am a very tall, muscular woman. So oftentimes my femininity was stripped from me Mm. as a child. Um, I was never feminine enough. So I have a very complicated relationship with the concept of womanhood. Mm -hmm. So likewise, I use she, they, because some days, yes, I feel very femme presenting. And then some days I really don't. And I like to have that freedom to, to grapple with both. But in some instances, I will just use she, her, because again, getting into a more nuanced conversation about what my gender identity is with people that I'm not comfortable with is still something that I'm working on Mm -hmm. getting better at. I do that too. I'll just, well, I won't correct people because it's, I know that you, you can read, especially when you're in this community, you can tend to start to read bodies very well. So I said yeah. you can gauge when they're going to react or what they're going to react to. So she, her is easier. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But, but it's also to keep myself safe. And I know that and keep my emotions and my mental yeah. health state like safe. So I know how yeah. to keep myself safe in those situations. Same. So I get that. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> why, not why is it that we're conforming to these societal quote unquote norms mm-hmm. when society should be adjusting to the uniquenesses of all people? Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah that's world. a whole <laughs> yeah. dream world podcast. Yeah. Um, and Jenny, you kind of shared yes. a little bit already. But yes. do you want to share how how I came to yeah. how I came, came. So my story is. Well, everyone's story is going to be 
unique, obviously. But um, for me, I, I, I didn't have that feeling of like I always knew that I was queer or pansexual. But in the way that like I just happened to have be very fortunate to be surrounded by friends and family whom didn't care like we're all like always accepting Mm -hmm. and I never had the the experience of like oh am I different like I feel different kind of situation Mm -hmm. so I've kind of just been living living my life I was never like I'm straight or I'm like I never had to label myself and again that was just very very fortunate Mm -hmm. and is, but then now it's like not a coincidence that I come to Strive. <laughs> I'm meeting people of the community, and at my studio, I have a lot of new friends who have that community, and it's just like a new space of like, and being ex- inspired, um, seeing like everyone very proud of their identity, uh-huh. and I'm like, it's something that I was missing. Um, just kind of that final step of accepting fully embracing myself and Mm -hmm. who I am because like I did grow up I grew up in Niagara and they're very in my high schools and stuff very very white Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a predominantly white community and then so being queer and then also being a visible minority like it just kind of wasn't like Mm -hmm. the the space to you know be outward yeah and then yeah as I said like coming moving to London and then meeting all these new people and I've never I never really had queer friends until until now and so yeah as having people who you can ask questions mm-hmm. and like as Liz was saying the story I was like we were just driving to the dollar store I was like so I have some questions for you like what is it what does it mean to be queer and like yep. Um, I was like, I've I've always had this feeling of like I've never I wouldn't I don't think I care. I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. I don't care yep. what outwardly appearance mm-hmm. or um, and such and such and then it was another conversation with one of my friends from dance when I was exp- explaining to her these feelings she's like like that sounds really similar to my story and like I'm pansexual and I was like oh that sounds that yeah, sounds right sense. that makes right. sense yeah. like, I remember you coming into work like I have to talk to you and I was like I, was like, okay. I have to tell you something it's like yeah. I talked to my friend and like she said like she could, yeah. like so I was yeah and it was kind of interesting because it was like right there. It was kind of just right there. Right. But it took someone kind of like giving me that label mm-hmm. in order to be like, okay, yes, I identify so with that. that. Yeah. 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 Just for it to feel just, right. For it to feel right. Just kind yeah. of crazy. Because my sister, uh, sorry. Yeah, I've also been recently kind of like telling my siblings yeah. and some of my family members. And she was like, you didn't know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, you didn't. Yeah. I was like, uh, they weren't, no one was shocked. Like, no one was shocked. Sometimes our friends and family know things about yeah. us before we do. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, which is kind of funny. And it's she's always like, funny coming out and people being like, what? Yeah. I already knew this. Yeah. I thought like, that was what, a thing. Can already. you, yeah. yeah, like, let me have my coming out. This is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, it was just like written out in front of me, but like, obviously, like, I, was, I wasn't ready. Yeah, I didn't have the term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is also another thing I'm sure is like, you're not ready until you're ready. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And being in my early 20s now and just doing a whole bunch of like self healing in general. Mm-hmm. And, I want to put myself first, and that includes, you know, accepting everything about myself. Mm -hmm. And I also have this new philosophy. It's like I just want to live authentically, Mm -hmm. and I also want to be a mirror, as in, in the sense of like I want to present myself, like as I said, authentically, and then that gives people, hopefully, like people will see that and Mm -hmm. genuinely give that back to me, and then that's how like I form, been forming such like great relationships with with 
people in my life yeah. and learning how to cut people yes. as well. Yeah. That's important. Learning how to cut people. That so, also yes. could be a whole other uh, yes. yes. A big part of coming out is figuring out who is actually going to be there yeah. to support you. It, yeah, it's really transformational yeah. in mm-hmm. every sense mm-hmm. of the word. Mm-hmm. Your understanding of yourself, your understanding of your community, your values, like they all shift mm-hmm. in this process. Mm-hmm. So so how do uh, your identities reflect in our work in the early years? Why is it important to be having these conversations as early years professionals? Well, I think Jen kind of alluded to it in, in her story. She didn't know what these terms were. She didn't know that there was a whole community out here that existed. And that breaks my heart. Yeah. This should be a part of our lives. It should be a part of the communities that we exist in, regardless of how we outwardly appear. So, and a lot of that starts in our work in the early years, having these conversations with children, having resources that are representative of a number of different identities, racially and culturally as well, mm-hmm. and having resource around the nuances of those intercomplexities of when I'm also a racial minority and And. queer how does this impact my identity even further and I like I can't speak for both of you but I know that when I was a child and a teen and even a young adult I did not have access to that I had to go through a pretty long and arduous process of like self-research and digging in and finding a community for myself so that I could do this reflective work with them and honestly it felt like a waste of time like I could have had access to all of these things before and I didn't that's why encouraging early years educators and early years professionals to dig in and start sharing these conversations and having these resources is so essential because you could potentially be helping save a child years of agony trying to figure out who they are by just offering them conversation, space, resource to be able to do that with you. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Anything you I'm guys pretty want to add well to spoken. That? <laughs> I think Blake. killing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, like first and foremost, like even when I was just starting ECE and like I didn't have this like whole idea of my identity and stuff yeah. yet, I just always wanted to guide children to be like global citizens, yeah. and mm-hmm. that involves being culturally aware and like whether whether it's going to be children of come from minority or minorities across like all boards or intersectionality even um that they feel that they have a space they don't have to grow up thinking the same way I did or like realizing like oh I'm gonna be different and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna that's gonna be a long journey yeah for society in general but like just helping guiding children to be leaders in that way and then also also guiding children whom are not of those communities to be allies and um, activists and such absolutely Mm -hmm. you know the good old shape molding the future and all that all that stuff but like but now like I actually actually like can dig deep into dig or dig deeper into that and Mm -hmm. um, put in the actual work into it and not just having like the blanket statement the blanket like well and I think it's true too that I mean, whether we're working directly with children and families or in our capacities working with educators across the sector, 
we don't know everyone who's coming through our doors. We don't know their stories. We need to be as welcoming, as transparent. We need to provide that brave space we've been talking about Mm -hmm. um, that makes all people feel comfortable. So especially in early years programs, you don't know that child, that family's story. You, you need to do the best we need. We, as a society, like you said, need to do the best we can to create environments, values, and beliefs that are accepting, inclusive, mm-hmm. equitable, because that has a long-term impact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on those children, on the families, on our early years community as a whole. I was just going to say, like, even with families, like, certain families and stuff, like, they, it's not that they don't want to accept, but they don't know. They don't And they know. don't understand. Yeah. So, like, having that accountable space that, like, we talk about and, like, having yeah. those, like, conversations mm-hmm. with families and having it, like, represented in the classroom, even if you're not openly, like, saying, like, like th- having those conversations, like, having the representation there so they know that it's there and, like, children can see it and families see it, mm-hmm. it's very different than, like, a society like Bree and I or you even grew up in it's like that's like the society we want to change right like yeah. obviously it's a whole different process and it's going to take way longer than it ever should but it's a really different experience when you walk into a center and know that you're represented mm-hmm. or you walk into a room and know you're represented and you're not yeah. like coming in and being tokenized or taken advantage of it's and that kind of feeds into some of the work you've been doing in the resource center mm-hmm. so you're creating a queer corner I am. Mm-hmm. We're dedicating it to our colleague, Laura, yes. uh, who recently yes. passed away um, and was part of the community um, and a real champion, a real advocate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Liz got to work with her a little bit before and, and her work in the Resource Center and with the team have been digging into this. And yeah. so you've begun. I have. So right now we have, I've started a flag kit. So I have a lot of pride flags Mm -hmm. and loose parts for children to build their own flags, to build their own, um, how they identify. We're also doing like a self-identifying kind of kit. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be mirrors and loose parts and blank face canvases so that children can build their identities or build what identifies them. Um, I think it also goes into the research that I'm like, I want to put into the center, like the peer reviewed articles and stuff that I didn't even know existed Mm -hmm. until this year. Like I didn't even know there was a queer theory on development until this year. I didn't know that there was these other developmental theories because the ones that were taught were white, cisgendered, Catholic, mostly men yes Yes. so it was it was a real journey (laughs) to go through this and be like oh my gosh there's actual theorists that existed in like the 90s and earlier and like like obviously i knew they existed but i didn't realize they were so forward i was just like Mm -hmm. there was actual concrete evidence and research done on these subjects because it was it's not something we're exposed to no we had a couple high schools come in for tours and stuff and they have development courses now in high school and I talked to the teachers and they asked for resources so I sent them indigenous articles that I've gotten from peers before as well as queer theory and pedagogical third spaces like resources for them to integrate into their programs because they they they, yeah. they want to which is huge, huge because that's it's it doesn't just start there but that's a good place mm-hmm. to start Absolutely. if we're starting somewhere mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think it was it's really awesome yeah. that I got to have those connections Mm-hmm. So if you want to add some resources to your program, come on and visit mm-hmm. the AC Resource Center. Okay. And link in bio. <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels so cheesy every time. I know. Um, how else can gender diversity, gender justice, um, the 2SLGBTQQIA plus community 
be supported in our programs for children, families, and colleagues? What else can we do? I think language is super important. Okay. Um, There's this conversation around language where it's like, hey, you guys, or go play with that boy over there, or go play with that little girl, or Mm -hmm. um, a doll in a dress is automatically a girl, or a boy wearing, like a doll wearing blue is automatically a boy. Mm -hmm. Like, so uh, a lot of the research I've done is around this concept of language and how we speak to children Mm -hmm. and going in and saying, instead of saying, good morning, boys and girls, it's like, good morning, everyone. Like those simple, tiny changes. Or if they ask those questions, like, like with a toy, there was this one article I read that was like talking about a toy. So if you ask, like the child asks, is this a boy or a girl? You go, well, what do you think? Or why don't we ask the toy? Right. Because you play into that imagination aspect, but you're not, you're giving that inanimate object a voice mm-hmm. in the same way you want to give a person the voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're not just assuming the gender of a toy or gendering a toy you're mm-hmm. giving it a voice to say uh in this article the the child was just like oh they don't they are not a boy or a girl so it's like even then like these yeah. children are recognizing that there's something outside of that and they this teacher didn't provoke this conversation this child did and yeah. it was just the tiny nuances like on like um admission forms Instead mm-hmm. of having like gender, boy or girl, you either a just leave it off because yeah. it's not because it's, it's not, not necessary, right. or you put gender with a blank line. Right. Yeah. So that families that want to can, but it's it's very open ended. It's not like mm-hmm. we want open ended for kids. Why can't we do that for adults too? Yeah. Especially I, when it comes language to language has been a really common theme this year for us. For us, yeah. Um, I I also um I saw I think it was on Instagram somewhere that was like talking about a kindergarten teacher and when you're talking to the children about their families using the term your grown-ups instead of your parents because even parents assumes yeah a dad and a mom not even just that but there's not also even like fostering yeah. and They're, grandparents and, and aunts yeah. and uncles so many like, dynamics. Dynamics. so, so many the diversity that we see in individual people is the same as the diversity that we see within families a thousand percent one term is not going to be able to no. encapsulate the complexity of yeah. an individual family yeah. it just won't so i've always tried to stay away from the term parents and use families, families but i love yeah. this way to talk to children about your grown-ups mm-hmm. yeah whomever yeah. that may be your grown-ups yeah, yeah. Well, my i son, think that's a beautiful yeah. way to shift our language my son has yeah. two moms a dad and then his dad's partner like right. it's he has a lot of grown-ups. he has a lot of grown-ups, lot of grown-ups. <laughs> so it's yeah. like saying your family he usually goes which one yeah <laughs> and so it's instead like your grown-ups like that i love that because it yeah. like, encapsulates all of the grown-ups that are exactly. like because he's got a many mm-hmm. and it omits it's more gender and sex completely from yeah. it yeah. it's yeah. just your grown-ups yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, i love that that's they such do. great advice this is to really consider the language we use i've i said it to you all to call me out because I hear myself, especially on this podcast, <laughs> saying the word guys a lot. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I I'm excellent at catching it when I'm writing, but I'm not great at catching it when I'm verbally speaking it. So mm-hmm. I need my friends to call me out when I'm saying it and say, well, call you in, call me with in, love. That's right. Call <laughs> me in with love. Yeah. Um, because it's it's so ingrained in using yes. things like that. Hey guys, what's going on? That we. It's so easy to, to not even think about, mm-hmm. but we need to be thinking about it. Yeah, even yeah. me who identifies outside of the binary, like I still do it all the time. Yeah. I'll be like, bro. And I'm like talking to either someone who's been presenting or something yeah. and I still use it. I have a trans and- partner and like <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> number of times that I use gendered language, like in reference yeah. to them or in 
what like while we're having a conversation i'm like what am i doing what am i doing oh i gender inanimate objects object we we time. actually yeah. do in all, the office all the time all like, the oh you did it yesterday with your car yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Rhonda's a menace so <laughs> But it's true. It's We really need to consider the language yeah. that we use. It's a huge mm-hmm. way that we can demonstrate um, that we're allies. It's a small yeah. change you can make that's yeah. very conscious. And it is difficult. Like you said, it's a oh, huge it's hard. journey. It's like, a everyone's huge like, oh, journey. I could just admit that. No problem. And it's like, yeah, you think so. Yeah. And then you're rambling and he, it comes out. Oh, like, my gosh. The so amount of times people still say daycare. Oh, oh how long have we been having that battle? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. But, so yeah. it, it's hard. It's it hard to yeah. shift language, but it's important. It's so yes. important. And it's a small change that like it doesn't necessarily have to be a visible thing. Yeah. But yeah. it's it'll create that like accountable space. It so helps it, build that space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. great advice. If you haven't already listened to yes. episode three of our podcast, Danielle and I actually dig a lot yeah. into the value of language mm-hmm. because it is something that regardless of where you are at in your own journey of learning and unlearning around these concepts, it is something that everyone is capable of doing. So yeah, I, th- I love that suggestion. It's, mm-hmm. it's simple. Well, it's simple in simple in, in concept, concept. Mm-hmm. maybe harder practice. to implement, especially yeah. again, if you are someone that's a little bit earlier, maybe yeah. in your understanding of all of this, it doesn't require a ton of effort in or order money. to do so or money yeah it's, it's like free some, exactly. it's a simple thing especially if you just you look for those little things and yeah. what you're doing every day it, it becomes very reflective for your journey but it's also just it be, creates a better space for people that you're with yeah exactly and I would love to speak on the lens of just educator or early learning professional yes. well-being because that is something important to address that um, gender diversity and uh, justice is important so that educators feel welcome in their spaces and they feel um, as though they can be their authentic selves and not have to stress about facing discrimination mm-hmm. and that that in turn they can put their best practice forward right. for their mm-hmm. children and be role models. It's a ripple effect. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a whole ripple effect. Yeah. And, you know, obviously at Strive we are all about, you know, um, we strive educa- for it. We strive for it, and then we're all about inspired learning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. Sp- about um, pushing a little bit from behind yeah. and supporting educators so that they can be better educators mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Learning, pr- mm-hmm. learning professionals. Yeah, it's developing that global citizenship, like mm-hmm. you alluded yeah. to, and realistically right now we are in a time where we are experiencing a lot of change around this topic and there's pretty vocal hate yes Yes. so we need to be a source of empowerment for both people that are within the queer community and people who are outside of it to be champions for and advocates for the community so that we can help inspire some of the change further that we're already seeing and to be louder than the hate that's happening because hate is loud it is unfortunately that is how it operates but love can be equally as loud and we need to work with that love focused lens so that we can overpower some of the hate that's happening Mm -hmm. well i love all of you thank you so so much 
I think when we talked about doing this episode, what did you say, Brie? The queers are taking over? <laughs> the queers, the queers are, taking are, over. are taking over. <laughs> and um, But I just feel so honored to get to work with such yes. amazing individuals and that you are so willing to share your stories yes. and be vulnerable with not just me and our team here at Strive, but the, the broader early years mm-hmm. community. Um, we're lucky to have champions like you three um, yes. who are willing to, to share and to inspire and to lead these hard conversations. So thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.